Hello, welcome to the Babe Bunny Podcast, where I, me, Ashley, aka Ashley Chubby Bunny, discuss sex, fashion, cannabis, and life as a rom-com protagonist living in Brooklyn, New York. Make sure to follow, subscribe, and share the pod with your homies as well as let me know what you think with a review slash comment upon completion. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for coming back this week. Good on you. Um, I have a particularly special treat for in store for you this week. Um, I have been waiting to tell this story for so long because... Just when I think that it's over, like the development continues and I'm just like, okay, so definitely whose life is this? Because why would this be happening to me of all people in like a big ass city like this? But also that's why this would be happening. Um, Excuse me. I don't know what's going on. Oh, this was like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was looking through another like text thread and I was like, is this the same person? Um, No, it was somebody else that I was sending porn back and forth. I'm sorry. So basically, um, here we go. <laughs> I'm trying to remain like calm so that I can like tell the story in a very chronological way. I don't, you ha- you cannot miss any parts of it if you miss something and you're like well how do we get here you're literally not doing yourself a disservice by recording it i mean i'm sorry re uh rewinding i promise you like it's worth it basically i used to work in a dungeon here in the city um the time period keep in mind 2018 march 2018 during this time i was like chilling in the east village I had just ran some errands that day. I was like, ooh, I'm going to go and, like, get me a little a little iced coffee and, and sit outside and, like, you know, live my little fucking, like, New York girl fantasy because, like, I had done what I was supposed to do for that day and I was just going to people watch and shit, right? So I'm doing that. It's cute. And out of nowhere, this, like, really stocky, like, you know he looked like a man of color like walked by and he had like this like joe jonas hair circa like 2010 and he had on like a graphic tee and uh like a button up that was open and then a cardigan on top of that and it was underneath a jacket and then he had like a whole mess of skinny scarves that had been like affixed around his neck like it was like it wasn't one scarf it was multiple scarves that had been wrapped in formation around his neck. And then he had on like some rings that were like choking the shit out of his fingers. And one of them looked like a classroom or whatever. But um, he comes up to, oh yeah, he has like these fucking skinny jeans on and shit. And it's just like, all right, dude. Walks up to me. I was like, oh my God, like, how are you doing? What's going on? What's your name? And I was just like, oh God, here we go. And so I was like, I'm just gonna go ahead and just give him my fake name and maybe he'll go away when he sees I'm not interested in talking to him. Give him the fake name. He's like, oh, my name's Giovanni. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Nice to meet you, Giovanni, whatever, you know, whatever. And he's like, oh, like, what are you doing? What's going on? And I was just like, oh, I'm enjoying my day off. And then, like, he's like, really? What do you do? And so I was like, all right. So this nigga is, like, trying to get this information out of me. And he's like, 
really insistent. So I'm just going to like bullshit this till he leaves. It's like I'm just giving my time, like give myself some extra time to figure out how I'm about to like approach the situation because either he's going to get fed up and he's going to leave. Either he's going to get what he came for and leave or he's just going to leave. Like that was my whole entire thing. I was just like anything to get this nigga away from me. Um, I'm like, oh, I go to NYU. I'm studying. <laughs> I'm studying electrical engineering. And like, I thought that that would like, you know, kind of like intimidate him. He was like, oh, really? And I was like, yes, I'm double majoring in electrical engineering and mechanical engineering. <laughs> and he was like, oh, wow, that's so impressive. And I was like, I know. And he was like, I'm going to Columbia. I'm, you know, going for my master's. And I was like, oh, that's nice. I forgot what he said he was going there for because I didn't give a fuck. So I wasn't really listening. And then he tried to act like, Columbia was better than NYU and then I was like oh that's funny that somebody would tell you that um because although I personally don't care to um compare academic institutions and try to like shame people for where they went like I understand the joke like a lot of white people always making fun of Cornell being the least impressive Ivy so the fact that he was like oh I went to Columbia I was like I'm gonna put a hundred on top of this shit and let him know that my ass over here at the hypothetical NYU campus is literally laughing at the fact that you just told me you went to Columbia I had to make it awkward I was just really trying to be off-putting he was down for it. He's like, oh, is that is that so? Like, you don't know what you're, what you're talking about. Da, 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 da. Then he started talking about, like, well, um, while you're in school, like, are you working? What's going on? And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, he's asking so many questions. And so I remembered that during this time while I was working in the dungeon, other girls were, um, they were finding, like, regulars, so that they could at least have like a clientele because at the dungeon, basically the one that I used to work at the way it was set up is that you either get requested from online. They see you online or you're like on the page. They request you or you do a meet and, you know, which means they come in, they pay the manager and then like everybody has to get ready to go meet this one client. Um, so basically... If you bring your own person, like, how are they going to know the difference? Because you just be like, oh, he's, like, customer. He requested me or whatever. And some girls were making bank doing that. Because that's, they, like, sometimes all they would have to do is see their client, like, you know, two, three times a week. And they were making, like, their rent. They were making, like, you know, paying all their bills. They were buying. Like, it was it was really cute. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and finally you know, practice or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I do this. I, I told them. I was like, I dom- I'm a dominatrix. Um... First, I said I work in a dungeon because when I start with saying I work in a dungeon, like people are like, what do you mean? Are you talking about your job? Your office environment is just so hellish that it feels like you're working in a dungeon. And I was like, no, I work in an actual dungeon. And so I'm like telling him that like I beat men for money and I don't have a, like a long enough uh, attention span or enough tolerance to continue to speak to one that's like wasting my time. And so he started pitching himself like, oh, okay, so where is this dungeon? Where do you work? Um, what do you do? All this other stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, he's interested. So maybe this is how it happens. Um, I give him my fake name. I give him my fake number, AKA the Google voice number. And I try to like set something up. 
Um, because while we were still talking, he's telling me, because he's still trying to impress me, he's telling me that his family works in fashion, so they have all this money, and he would be able to get me into all these events and shows and parties if I wanted to go and all this other shit, because at first he was like trying, at first he was down for the idea of the dungeon, right? And then once I started letting him know that like, oh, I'm definitely serious about this dungeon shit. Then it was like, oh, well, if you want to be like my friend or like if you want to like hang out with me or if you want to like, you know, go to this stuff together, like I can do that for you. And it's just it, they they what usually happens, especially with men that like what sex work sounds like because they like when you just basically say something that they can imagine in a salacious manner. Um, because when I talk about doming and stuff, it doesn't sound sexy to me. Like I just talk about it in a matter of fact way. And I'm not saying it's not sexy, but like they're always down when you just say something and passing about it. And then like, once you really start to press it or once you really start to legitimize it, they're really off put by that. And I think that's what was happening. They try to turn it around. Like, don't you actually want to hang out with somebody that wants to get to know you? Don't you actually want to hang out with somebody who could possibly care about you. And it's just like, they do that shit all the time. And I think it's so fucking weird. And that's what he tried to do. And that's why he tried to throw his family's like money into the shit too. And once he noticed that I was serious about the doming shit, that's when he tried to be like, oh, I can get you into the events. I can do this and the third. I come from money and all this other stuff. And I was like, nigga, you know, bye. Um, here's my number. Here's this. Have a good day. And I'm like, cool, that happened, right? Uh, that's what happened. Basically... Not even like five minutes after I gave this nigga my number, right? I'm not even at the train yet. I get a text from him. And this is to the Google Voice number. Um, I would never give a man my real number. He goes, Ciao, Bella, Donna, Giovanni. Thank you for spending some time with me. And then I'm dead because... Underneath it, it says recipient block because I blocked the shit out of him after he sent this to me because I was put off by that because I was like, okay, he could potentially be a client or whatever. But the fact that he texted me right after he left bothered me. Um, And then (laughs) and then I get a phone call the next day from a number. I don't, you know, like. Like, like, I don't know what it is, right? I don't recognize there it is. And so I text the number three question marks and then the number goes, hi, how are you doing today? With four question marks. I said, I'm good. You? He goes, I'm good. What's up with you? With the four fucking question marks again. I said, who is this? He goes, Giovanni. And underneath it, it says recipient is blocked. I was just like, this nigga literally called me the next day from another number trying to get in contact with me because I blocked the first number. And the thing was, right? I've heard all kinds of girls say, oh, I give them my number in front of them because they're just going to call it in front of me anyway and see if it's my real number and I'm not trying to get killed and all this other shit, right? And once I get around the corner, I'll just block, you know, I'll just I'll just block it. And now we're in a world where they not only can get around that in some way, they'll get another fucking number, they'll get a fake number, they'll get an app, or they'll just put your number in the fucking database and just look your shit up and just come find you still. Like, there's a lot of, like, power in a number, which is why if you are going to give somebody your number, give them a Google Voice number. Um, But I was really put off by that. So I was like, block this shit too, right? Keep in mind, this happened March 23rd, March 24th, 2018. 
hear nothing from this nigga, right? Like, it, we're go. I talk it up to being a weird, like, you know, encounter. It was off-putting, whatever, right? 2021. 2021. January. No, actually, no, I'm sorry. December. <laughs> it's December 20th. I'm sorry, December 2020. Like, right after I moved. <clears throat> excuse me. Right after I moved into my apartment, right? And I get a random call on fucking WhatsApp. And I'm just like, what is this? What is this? Like, what's going on? I answer the phone. This person gets to talking on the phone. And I'm like, who is this? And he goes, Giovanni. And I was just like, oh, God, it's this nigga. And I'm sitting here trying to figure out, like, how did he get my WhatsApp number? And I forgot that I connected my WhatsApp number, my Google voice number to my WhatsApp number, because I was also trying to sugar and, like, and all this other shit. So I was like, okay, that tracks. At least he doesn't have my number. But the fact is, like, why is he calling me? This man called me to try to be like, oh, I'm calling random call like numbers in my phone to see what gifts from Dior to, I'm sorry, not Dior, from Dolce & Gabbana to give away, um, you know, for like for PR and we're, so, you know, so we're, that's why I'm calling to see what gifts like you would like. And I was just like, are you sure about that? And he was like, yeah. And then I was like, who is this? And he told me he was Giovanni. And I was like, oh, so you're that guy that I met in East Village that refused to leave me alone. And he was like, no. Like, he was trying to pretend like he didn't know it was me. And he didn't know who I was. And like, oh, no, I'm just doing the calls. Like, I just don't understand where this is coming from. Da, 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 da. I cussed him out. I'm like, don't call me again. Like, what the fuck is this? Because, like... It just seemed like he wanted to waste my time. And I was just like, obviously, that's what's happening because this man is pretending like he doesn't know who I am, even though he went out of his way to, like, call me from two numbers that were completely different and then try and text me and all this other shit. Still have my number saved so that he could reach out and try to, like... Under the guise of like, oh, I'm doing PR for Dolce & Gabbana and we're trying to randomly see who deserves a PR gift. And like, I'm somebody that gets PR, like packages and stuff. And they usually ask about that shit first, right? They reach out and they ask in, a, in an email, hi, we like your page, da 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 da, da. What um, address should we be shit sending our new collection to? Shit like that, right? And I'm like, this obviously is him trying to like weasel his way back in or like try to figure out what's going on, right? So after the phone call, I end it. I'm like, I can't believe this nigga's doing that. I leave it alone, right? It's left. It's left. We now move to WhatsApp once more. January 21st, 2021. This is the message that he sent me at 1.34 a.m. Listen, I remember you because you kept trying so hard to be cool with like the little sunglasses emoji, but you're not about that life. He proceeds to send me these videos and photos of the grimiest loft I ever seen. Like the video says my flat in London. And it's like, he's walking around like in like some gym shorts. He's obviously barefoot because you can hear his feet plopping on the fucking squeaky sticky ass hardwood floor and it's just filthy in there big gorgeous beautiful loft or flat or whatever the fuck right completely gross and he's trying to show it off and and like oh i live here and all this other shit um and there's like you know 
other like there's white women in the photos and all this other shit right i go lol this usually works for you huh if i had to work this hard to impress people who didn't give a fuck about me i'd be insane like you two um mind the the casual ableism um i'm a mentally ill person so i was going through it (laughs) Because this was like, a, this was a lot, mind you. Like this person literally went from trying to pretend like he had no idea who I was to trying to be like, oh, I'm working PR for Dolce & Gabbana. So I'm randomly calling these numbers in my phone to see who wants what for Christmas or whatever the fuck. It was just very like, who does that, right? Um, he goes, not sure what you mean. And it's like a tear emoji. I said, am I supposed to be impressed? Is this your gotcha moment? He goes, and this is the only I'm telling you this is the only reason why I decided to entertain this and I'm gonna explain it to you why after I read his text he goes I'm really hurting inside I'm all screwed up I'm lonely and I have no friends all I have is money and I said is that why you're pretending to give away Dolce and Gabbana to strangers he goes I'm going crazy in this lockdown and I've been drinking too much I said, all you have is money because you think you're better than everyone. He goes, I never pretended to give away anything. I just wanted to make people happy. And I said, by calling him at 3 a.m. with a lie, mind you, he called me at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to pull this shit. Oh, I'm calling from Dutch. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. He goes, I'm not better than anyone. You're much better than me because you're happy. and You're not hurting inside like me. I told you I was screwed up in the head. My therapist just trying to figure it out. This is literally the, this how the conversation went. And I'm, sa- I'm telling you this because I was like, bet a lot of these men, especially the men that would come into the dungeon, the men that I would speak to online, the men that I would cam for, like these men will come in there and because they're in a space where they're so far removed, quote unquote, from civvy, C-I-V, i.e. life um they're like oh like obviously like i don't know like the first time i walked into a dungeon and i saw what it was i felt like oh this is so far away right but because i worked there like like almost every day and i was familiar with it and i have friends that worked there my community was you know the sex work community me like walking off the street into an establishment that was sandwiched in between two karaoke bars. Like it didn't feel that far away to me. We were still going in the same elevator as everybody else. We were still going up to the fucking like floor and we were still able to see people outside. Like it wasn't that far, but I know that like people are like, Oh, this is like, they act like they're stepping into a different world, which essentially they are. But I say this to say that when men kind of like get in there, they automatically, um, either acclimate or like they can they feel or act on how differently they feel the circumstance and spaces some of them get a little bit too like rowdy because they have like oh the rules don't apply here it's like literally sometimes seeing a fucking like uh kindergarten class being let out for recess like they really be like oh my god this oh wow a whip oh oh my goodness so basically him being like i'm lonely and i'm sad and everybody fucking hates me and i'm a piece of shit is not like 
it's not uncommon for like how they act when it comes to the shit they be doing. Like I like trust me, it's it's very normal that they come in there and try to like um make you feel bad for them and like oh like you're essentially going to be their sense of relief for the, however long they're paying for it. So basically the messages that he was like sending were trying to, you know, get me into the mindset of like pitying him almost. And that's kind of where I was like, oh, this could possibly go somewhere. He sent me a voice message. I'm not playing that because it's going to fuck up my recording. Um, And then I said, because I'm like, cool. So maybe this is my time to practice. And I automatically take the dominant role because I'm like, he's coming to me in a way where it feels like he you know, it's a little pathetic. He's like, oh, like, I'm so rich, but I'm so lonely and everybody hates me. So I said, it sounds like you need to be bitched out. He goes, what does that mean? He sent two more pictures. I said, you spent, you want to spend your money on dumb shit and people who don't like you. He goes, no, I just want to be happy again. I said, and you think that's something that makes you better. So you being unhappy is you looking a little like a flex. Looking a little like a flex. So you being unhappy is you looking a little like a flex. I don't know what that meant. He goes, not really sure. I said, even when you approached me in the East Village, you thought you were better than me. He goes, excuse me? I said, try to impress me with your connections and background. He goes, I was intrigued by your persona, which, bitch, is not a persona. This is me. Um, I know I gave the fake number and all the other shit, but like I literally was just like, I'm here. First of all, and if we really want to go there, the keep in mind he started this shit off talking about some, I remember who you are, but you tried so hard to act so cool. And it was like, no, I tried so hard to act like, to assess the situation, to see if I could benefit in some way and to try and quickly have it, you know, cease so that I go back to enjoying my fucking day of, enjoy, of drinking the best iced coffee that I had spent $7 on and sitting outside and being a cute bitch in the middle of New York City. Um, so I said, and when you found out I worked in a dungeon, you immediately tried to move in, uh, move in on me. He goes, not sure if it was the dungeon. I sent an eye roll emoji. He goes, I'm sorry. I said, I get paid to beat men like you. Men like you only know access privilege not servitude and submission. So I was like, yeah, I have to get into like this fin dummy thing. I was like, if I can't be a sugar baby, cause it was just not working. Like I had already been told that like, like I already tried it. I like paid for like all of the courses. I read the books. I like dropped into like the fucking clubhouse uh, summits they were having. I listened to everybody. I asked all the other sugar babies I knew for advice. It wasn't working. I was like, maybe fendoming is something that has fallen into my lap because this man is literally telling me he's pathetic and rich. So that's usually where that would like, you know, work itself out. So that's why I'm talking to him like this, mind you. He goes, if I made you feel a certain kind of way, I said, men like you are so wrapped up in yourselves and what you have. You don't know what it's like to be completely dominated by someone who loves nothing more than to watch you serve, bruise, and squirm. Which I'm like, damn, like, bitch, you... He goes, really? I said, and exactly what life do you think I'm not about again? He goes, well, if I buy you a ticket to Soho, London, would you come? I said, that depends. He goes, on what? Give me a couple of minutes. I'm going to the bathroom. 
I did an eye roll. And I'm just like, why does he need to tell me that? We are not on the phone. This is not like a live video conversation. This is a text. You don't need to tell me that you're going to the fucking bathroom. Anyways, I said, your flat is dirty. He goes, I'm curious about what you get inflicting pain on people. I know. Excuse my mess. I said, I'm curious about what you get trying to dangle a plane ticket in my face. He goes, just friendship. I said, friends are flying stranded. Friends are just flying random strangers out to Europe for friendship. He goes, well, do we do know each other? We met before. And keep in mind, it was a very brief meeting in 2018. There wasn't even a rapport here. Like there wasn't even a little bit of like, oh, we know, like, I literally didn't even give this nigga my real name. Like, he's talking about, well, we do know each other. This is what I'm, like, talking about, right? This is how I know that something is off. And that's why I decided that I was going to try and exploit this pathetic rich man because of the fact that he obviously needed something. And if I could somehow finesse this into it being a mutually beneficial situation, I was all for it. So basically, he goes talking and showing you around i go the lies he goes no i swear nothing more i said as long as as long as one of us has a dick that's not all you're hoping will happen he goes i'm not like that i'm not thirsty for sex i'm just like going back and forth he goes he's like don't i said you're beating him off with a stick huh is that why you sent that random picture of that girl he sent him he sent me a random picture of him on a couch with some like some white girl that's like drunk and scantily clad, right? And um, like they're like, do like in the midst of like, woo, like that, having woo, like have the, you know, he goes, no, that was a mistake to send. I said, sure, Jan. Um, he goes, don't get me wrong, you're a beautiful not woman, a beautiful, beautiful woman, but I'm not thirsty. And I said, is that what I'm supposed to take from all of this? He goes, no, that was a mistake to send. I said, sure, Jan. He goes, I'm just trying to be your friend. I said, why? I'm not nice. So I told him that. I was like, I am not nice. He goes, it's okay. I'm not thirsty. And I said, it doesn't seem like it. He goes, well, I'm not. Mind you, this man and I met in March of 2018. And this man not only called me, like cold called me in December of 2020, but then randomly started up another conversation with me that I am currently reading to you January 2021 and has the nerve to be like, I'm not thirsty. I'm not desperate. I want to be your friend. And the thing is, is that men like these think they're smarter than everybody else. And I'm just like, that's why I was like, I don't know why you want to be my friend. I'm not, I'm not nice. I'm, I'm a mean person. Um, and so um, he goes, well, I'm not. And I was like, I meant the okay part. Um, he goes, I mean it. Uh, no, because he said, it's okay. I'm not thirsty. And I said, it doesn't seem like it. He goes, well, I'm not. And I said, I meant the okay part. I was being a fucking bitch. Um, he goes, I mean it. I was like, you keep trying to explain yourself to me. Like you weren't trying to convince me with every fiber inside that you were going to Columbia, that you going to Columbia somehow made you better than me. And he goes, can you call me when you're free? And I said, why do you need to call me? He goes to hear your voice. I said, me going, he goes, me going to Columbia University is irrelevant to anything. I said, LOL now. He goes, I'm not a good texter. So can I call you? I said, that's what all men say. And yet you've been keeping up this convo pretty well. He goes, please give me a chance to show you. And I said, show me what? That I'm not what you're assuming me to be. If you give me five minutes on the phone, it would be great. I said, I guess. And he goes, okay, good night. 
I guess I get no name. Greetings from London, Soho. Good morning, beautiful. <sighs> this message I sent is so funny. And I know that it's not going to read as funny, but like I was going through it. Um, <laughs> I was, sometimes I read the messages that I send people and I'm like, you are a fucking bitch. So basically I'm just going to read it like, a couple more messages and then we're going to move on because I'm just like reestablishing the fact that this nigga literally was like, Hey, I know who you are and you're trying to act like this. And then as soon as like he got the opportunity to talk to me, like the whole entire facade was gone. I'm sad and pathetic and lonely and only people don't like me and all this other shit. Right. Here's the message I said. I said, I am upset that I didn't get much sleep due to you infiltrating my dreams, which he did, and it really bothered me. Our conversation this morning not only left a nocturnal impression on me, it let me know that you are centering yourself on what you want from me. I am not friends with men for this exact reason. Your intentions are clear, and I felt that mine were as well, but apparently not so. You're tr- you trying to guilt and sadden me into a relationship is not mutually beneficial. That is not mutually beneficial to me is not it. I would literally... Grant only grant you that kind of access and companionship at a price. And as someone who heard that I was having issues with employment and rent multiple times, yet still assumed that me becoming your girlfriend and living with you would be the solution to that, you should understand why I mentioned that. I obviously left an impression as well, and that's fine. But as it stands right now, I don't see any benefit to being your friend just because you're unhappy. Basically, when he said, give me five minutes on the phone, I forgot that we talked on the phone. And I said, I guess. And we talked on the phone, right? And on the phone, he was, like, talking to me about how I should move to basically... Because, like, he's, like... Because he started asking questions, right? So he's, like, oh, what do you do for a job? Like, what do you do for money? What's going on? How's the how's the pandemic going in New York? And I'm, like, oh, it's fine or whatever. So I'm, like... And at this point, like, I kind of was trying to experiment with the different kinds of, like, vibes. So at first, I was, like... Oh, like, so in the, in the Ho Tactics book, right, they're talking about, the author talks about, like, how you have to, like, kind of mention in passing things that you need or things that you're going through to kind of gauge, like, is this man that's leading with his money and all in status and stuff, does he, like, care that you don't have shit that you need? Is he going to be somebody, like, you have to make it seem like it's, like, their idea almost, but, like, you can't be, like, too much of, like, you know... You can't be too proud to beg, basically. Like, if you really need it, like, you're going to have to ask for it and you're going to have to finesse. And that's kind of what the book says. So I tried to try that out. And that's why I brought up that, like, oh, when you heard that I was having issues with, like, in my employment and rent and stuff, you didn't do anything. You didn't offer anything. He was just like, oh, what if I moved you out here to Soho, London with me and you lived in this fucking loft with me? And I thought that was strange because, like, nigga, I don't know you. Um... So this kept going for quite a while and I just kept trying to get him on the same page as me as how to like basically understand that I am looking only for a relationship in which I'm financially benefiting. The only reason I entertained any extent of conversation like from this point until 
what I'm going to explain to you later on in this episode was that I thought that there was a way for me to salvage this. Maybe I'll figure it out. Maybe like if I practice enough, I'll be able to get this down and I'll be able to do it with other people. Like this is the first time I thought that I caught like, oh, a big fish or whatever. And I'm about to figure this shit out. Because all he did was talk about how sad and miserable he is. And it got into like, it got into like the territory of him basically being like, oh, I want to be friends with you. When I come back, to New York. I live in Tribeca. Why don't you move into my apartment with me here? I'm like, no, I want to stay in my apartment. I literally had just fucking moved into this bitch. And I was just like, this is not going to work. Um, what else? He's like, I'm not sure what you're insinuating, but I'm not trying to buy you. And that's what I fucking hate. That's what I fucking hate. Cause I wasn't insinuating shit. I literally, because there's a lot more messages I'm not going to read through. I literally was like, nigga, I'm not speaking to you if you're not paying me. Like I'm not, I'm not, talking to you unless I'm being taken care of and I wasn't like soliciting anything so you have to make sure that you're not like if you're gonna be like talking to them through text or anything else through messages you can't like you have to make sure that it's like safe some people encrypt it um some people use like you know third-party apps and platforms to like encrypt the conversations and shit because they could you can get picked up and shit for solicitation and all this other shit right but like I was like getting around it I was just like, I don't see financial benefit. Like, I'm trying to find somebody to take care of me. Like, all sorts of shit, right? And so what they usually do, because either you come right out and you're like, hey, so I'm looking for somebody that's going to pay my rent each month or I'm looking for somebody that's going to, like, pay for my tits or whatever the fuck, right? Some guys like that. And a lot of the ones that I spoke to, um, I was told to kind of try and come at it from a situation where... You either A, try to make it seem like it's their their idea, or B, you try to ease them into the idea. So that's what I was trying when telling him my like financial situation. But what ends up happening is that these men will then turn around and they'll do the whole thing of like, oh, well, I'm not looking for something that's super transactional. And I'm not looking for something that feels like a business arrangement yet they lead the conversation and try to control the dynamic with what they want and that's what I've noticed that I have an issue trying to get past is that I'm like oh am I doing this right or whatever because I can give everybody else all the advice that I've learned through all my research through all the classes I've took the books I've read and the other sex workers that I've like talked to and gotten like advice from but like it seems not to be sticking with me because I can't do this (laughs) like I know that like you're looking for a fantasy and all this other shit, but like all, all the advice that I keep getting, I seem to be getting men that like are operating in a complete opposite capacity. They're doing shit like trying to be like, well, I'm sorry that you don't want to find somebody that genuinely cares about you, that loves you. Don't you want somebody that loves you? And it's like, nigga, you are literally 50 years old. Like you are old enough literally to be my father. And you have like generations of children already. Why do you think that this is something that's not going to come with some kind of, you know, financial expectation? I feel like what's happened and that's why this man felt really, really comfortable wasting my time. I feel like what's happened is that a lot of men have gotten too comfortable with the amount of access they have to as many women as they do. Because think about it. 
back then, like they had to physically be in spaces or like authoritarily be in spaces or like be able to afford to like be in situations where they control the entire dynamic. If you wanted to meet a woman, you could meet a fucking woman, right? Especially, you know, any kind of woman. But if you wanted to meet like a like a woman that's like like, you know, top tier and all this other shit, if she wasn't already snatched up, you had to go and find them in specific places because those women get taken care of. Those women are hanging out in other places. They're doing shit. They're at school. They're at work. They're like on vacation. They're taking care of, you know, they're like, they're doing other stuff. They're not looking for you, right? Because they're getting like, they're getting chose. So basically what's happened is that these men that don't really have much else going for them have this access, this, this too much access too much access to all kinds of women, especially like very high caliber, like, you know, women that like require a lot of maintenance and upkeep. And they think that they are entitled to those women. And when those women are like, oh, well, this is what I, you know, require. These are like the qualifications. Don't you want somebody that want, that loves you? Don't you want somebody that cares about you? And it's just like, nigga, you're you're literally like 65. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, men always try to act like, oh, I'm going to put you on some game. They act like women are stupid. Like, we have no idea what's going on out here. Yet, at the same time, will tell us that all we do is talk shit about men. It's like, no, the talking shit isn't just talking shit. We're updating and giving other women like a heads up about what kind of behavior to expect and what kind of behavior to look out for. So when I talk about the sugaring thing, because I literally just got done like explaining to like a friend about like what to expect when like speaking to them and like the issues that I was having when trying to vet them, they always pull this shit of don't you want somebody that like can care that cares about you and don't you want something that's not as transactional. Meanwhile, we both on seeking. We both on what's your price. We both on like millionaire matchmaking. We both on like these little legitimately like, I'm telling you, that's what, it blows my mind, blows my mind. But that's what this nigga tried to do too. And I'm just like, (laughs) he goes, remember, I was genuinely trying to be your friend. And then he, I go, cool. I'm not genuinely friends with men for free. You pushed me away because of monetary reasons. I said, I don't have the point. I don't see the point of having men in my life if I'm not benefiting from it. Then he goes, what about companionship and love? What did I say? What did I say? What did I say? What did I say? I said, they don't offer that. He goes, the money will eventually come. I said, men do not know either of those things are outside of servitude. He goes, really? Okay, let you think that. And I said, I definitely will. Thank you. He goes, wait until I get back to the United States and show you what I mean. I said, nah, I'm good. He goes, me too. And that's when he sent me more pictures. And he kept saying hi. And then, like, he would try to talk to me. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll just do this or whatever. And this is how I knew also what time it was, like, what time it was inside his brain. I was like, he goes, greetings from the world. And I'm like, oh, I guess we're getting somewhere because he hasn't run away yet. So let me see if this works. Like, this is what I'm talking about, like, Remind me like one of them little cosmetology heads where you try like out a perm and then you try out the braids and then you try out a haircut and this nigga still standing. That's what's happening here. He goes, I go, he goes, greeting from the world. I said, how are you? He goes, just chilling in my wellness of life, posting my revenge on Instagram. That's all. 
I said, posting my revenge on Instagram, LOL. And then he goes, what are you up to? I said, not posting my revenge on Instagram. And then he goes, so are you going to give me a name? And I said, LOL for? And then he goes, because I don't have your name in my phone. I said, I don't think you need it. He goes, please help me here. Stop being so tough. I said, LOL tough. He goes, yes. When I get back, when I come back, would you like to have dinner with me? I said, is that the reward for sharing my name? He goes, yes and no. And then he just kept saying he wouldn't have dinner. Then he said he wouldn't have my fr- he wouldn't be my friend. He kept sending me photos. <clears throat> and it was just getting to be a lot. I could tell the money conversation wasn't going to happen. And then he's like, just hoping that I can buy you dinner, buy dinner, buy you dinner with you someday. I said, you could buy me dinner now. He's like, because I'm interested. I said, LOL. He was great. Only if I was in NYC, but I would be very soon. I said, I need to get my vaccines. And he just kept asking. He literally every day would just say, hi, what are you doing? And I'm just like, okay, so now this nigga's being entertained for free. And there's no speak of a financial compensation. Something's not right here. So I eventually was like, this is a waste of time. He got back to the States. And all of a sudden, the the mess, the tone of the messages changed. It was a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more like desperate. Because it wasn't like, oh, I want to be your friend anymore and all this other stuff. He's like, oh, um, uh, what are you up to? I know. He's like, I was, he's like, just curious. Just asking, curious. I said, because he goes, I said, I was being nice and you didn't carry on the conversation. He goes, I'm sorry. I know you were being nice. I'm here thinking about you. I guess you're busy. I said, you didn't say anything. He goes, I did. Can I call you? And I said, we'll see. He goes, damn, very sad. I said, you're sad. He goes, well, you're not letting me call you. (laughs) And that's where I fucked up. This person had entirely too much access to me. And I was just like, this is not how the girls told me to do it. I don't think that this is how they would do it. And that's kind of like, I just like backed off because I was like, this is not happening. So I'm noticing that as I'm looking at this, the text threads were getting smaller and smaller. Um, And he would just ask me every day, what's your real name? Can I have your real name? He goes, "Um, hi, what are you up to? Can you talk? I said, hello. He goes, can I please have your name? I said, I'm at dinner. He goes, okay. Um, and when he got back in the States, this is when I noticed that the shift, like the, the shift happened. So he goes, hi, beautiful greetings from Tribeca. Good morning. I said, hi. He goes, what are you up to? I said, finishing up some business stuff. You, he goes, okay. He goes, I'm just helping my parents with some paperwork. I said, fun. He goes, so what about dinner? He calls me and he goes, thank you, rude. And I said, I'm busy right now. What the fuck? He goes, okay, no worries. I said, why are you calling? He goes, I wanted to hear your voice and talk. And then he called again at 11.29 p.m. This is kind of when I was like, all right, so not only is this nigga like, not only is this nigga pathetic, but because he's back in the States, he's becoming a little bit more aggressive and we're not, we're no longer discussing finances. We're no longer discussing how I'm going to be benefiting from this. This man literally just keeps saying he wants to know my real name. He wants to know what I'm doing. He wants to be my friend. He wants to like go to dinner and all this other shit. Right. I'm sorry about that. I was about to cough. I need to drink some water. He called me three times and he called me again 
and I was just not answering the phone. He sent me the music video for Enrique Iglesias' Hero, which I found very strange. And then he called me again, and he kept calling. And I said, I noticed that he was getting kind of like, like curt with me. So he goes, I, he goes, I said, I'm not drinking edibles again, like randomly. And he's like, okay. He goes, K. And I said, okay, you seem mad. Are you mad at me? He goes, no, babe, I love you. I said, love me, LOL. He goes, hi, beautiful, then proceeds to call me three times in a row. Keep in mind, this is over the course of a few days when he's back in the city. And then he calls me again. And then because I didn't answer, he types whatever. I said, did you need something? He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm in Texas for my birthday, which I was. And it was a shitty birthday. So this person just kept going. Didn't even, didn't even. The only reason why, right? The only reason why I told him that I was in Texas for my birthday is because, okay, so maybe he should know that I'm, like, somewhere celebrating my birthday. And if that was me, I'd be like, oh, shit, like, happy birthday, mister. I'm calling people at the holidays to see um, from I'm with PR from Dolce and Cabana if they want something for Christmas or the holidays. So you couldn't use – that's what I'm saying – I started putting the pieces together once we weren't talking about money anymore, once we weren't talking about all the stuff that he wanted to pay for or wanted to do because of the, he wasn't trying to move me out to the fucking, like, because it was just, like, he started with all of that. And, like, he couldn't even sustain a conversation because he just kept whining. It was just, like, the, like, it was the equivalent of just, like, like, I don't even know how, because um, it gets worse. Not the text, by the way, because I just find out that, like, um... He like, oh my God, 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 oh my God. Okay, so basically, he started getting upset because I asked a lot of questions and because I wasn't being very upfront with my answers that he asked me the questions for. And then that's when he started talking about like meeting up. And I was just like, but he wasn't saying like, oh, we'll meet up as friends anymore. He was like, oh, I want to be with you. I think we'd be great together. And then he was trying to get me to move, quote unquote, into his Tribeca loft. And I should like give up my apartment and go live with him. And I was just like, I asked my friends about like, how do I finesse this into him? Like he talked about he want to pay for this. How do I get him to pay my rent? And they were just like, girl, if you're not going to do it, he's not going to do it. So that's kind of like when I started backing off. Because I was like, I noticed that this person is wasting my time. And I think that's what my, like, uh, messages end with me. Because he said, it literally is like, he said, if he said, how much is your rent? Because he said, what would you want for your, like, um... see, look, what the fuck? I said, I would like my rent paid for my birthday. <laughs> he called me twice, like... <sighs> He's like, oh, what is doing with all this other shit? Um, you're so small-minded. I don't care about your wealth. He also told me, I remember we had like a phone call where we actually got on the phone and he told me that I was lucky that I didn't, I wasn't raised like him with money, with wealth, because he's never had to work for anything and he doesn't know whether or not he has actual friends that care about him and he thinks that, oh, they only care about his money. He's never truly been happy. So he assumed that, like, I had grown up poor and that because I have never known wealth like his, I'm I'm the one that's lucky because I didn't grow up rich. And that's kind of what he was trying to talk to me about and that's also why he was trying to be like, I don't care about your wealth and like 
I don't know what's going on. Um, I said, I will continue to be small minded and spend time with men who actually care about me. So I started trying to guilt trip him. It was, none of this was working and we're going to figure out why soon enough. Um, I said, I would like my rent to be paid for my birthday. Cause he's like, I'm asking for, cause then it like progressed to, I'm looking for a great friend and relationship. Keep in mind before this nigga was talking about, I want to be your friend. We could be great friends. I would like to be friends. And then it updated. to I'm looking for a great friend and relationship. And I said, I would like my rent paid for my birthday. And then he goes, how much is your rent? If I pay your rent, that means I'm probably going to be living with you. I said, living with me? He goes, yep. I said, I live in a one-bedroom apartment um, in Crown Heights. That's not possible. And then I lied about what my rent was because you always tell them a little bit more about, you know, you don't tell them exact amounts. Don't do that. Um, I said, you don't need to live with me to pay my rent, especially if I want that for my birthday. I'm not asking for long term. He goes, well, babe, it means that we're exclusive. Or a couple? I said, what? He goes, or you can come live with me rent-free. I said, I do not want to live. And this one after he called me, literally called me after that. I, I didn't answer. And there's like, once I started noticing that like this wasn't going to really go anywhere, I stopped answering his phone call. So like, as I'm looking at like the text log and <laughs> the history, it's literally like all these missed calls. Because once he got back in the city, he just started frantically calling me all the time. And that's kind of where I, I got a little bit more assertive. Because I was just like, okay, this nigga is like obviously dragging this. And so I'm just going to let him know it's either this or not. We don't have to go back and forth. And that's what we were doing for the better part of like almost three months. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like irritated. Um, so after he called me. I said, I do not want to live with you. I just started my lease. It seems as if we're not on the same page. So I don't see any p point in continuing communication if that's the case. He goes, whatever. I said, cool. Have a nice, uh, have a nice life. Please do not contact me again. And things were chill. Like after that happened, he left me alone. I was like, awesome. I don't have to worry about this man calling me eight times a day anymore. It was just like very obvious that he wanted the engagement. He wanted like to have someone to speak to, the love bombing, all of this stuff was happening. But like I told you, they always try to do this thing of like, I don't you want to be with somebody that cares about you? And don't you want this, that, and the third? And it's like, no, I don't. Um, so basically, I was chill. It was great. This is where shit turns left, right? Oh, my God. I'm like, okay, let me calm down because it's like the story gets like so like much more out of control. Where is it? Please tell me. Please tell me. Please tell me. Um, please tell me I still have it. Oh, my God. I'm so pissed if I can't find it. Um, I'm basically just going to... Maybe he deleted it. I hope I didn't delete it. So, basically... I don't think I deleted it. I think it's just supposed to like um, update in my phone. So basically I get like this, um, this random text, right? From another WhatsApp number. It looks like an international number. And in the fucking, um, <laughs> in the fucking name, it says Giovanni. And then I think it says like Gabbana or something. Right. And I'm like, I don't know what this means, but this is weird. And then underneath the information for the number, it has like, oh, it's a business number, quote unquote. It has the, um, 
it has the what do you mean call it? Why am I drawing a blank? It has the address of the flagship store of Dolce & Gabbana in Italy on it. It has phone number. He even has an email address literally with his like first and last name at Dolce & Gabbana. I'm talking about the pictures. I think like on WhatsApp you can put pictures on the shit. There were like pictures in like like of the store in I guess his information thing. And he tried to reach out again and be like, hello. So I knew it was him because I'm putting bits and pieces together. of Like, oh, this is the Dolce & Gabbana nigga that like was like, oh, I mean, you know, right. And that was like um, this year. That was this year. <laughs> that was this year. And so that's why I'm like, oh, it's not updating because I know that like, like, oh, you have to connect to Wi-Fi to do this. And I can't do that because I'm recording this shit. But anyway, like that's it was this year. And I was like what the fuck so i was like at least i have like his name i don't think his last name was gabbana i don't think that's what's happening or whatever but i put in like the name that i saw in the whatsapp uh information oh my god we are going to move over to the next portion of our programming because I need to tell you exactly what happened in order for you to understand why every time I tell this story, something is happening. This person is going by Giovanni Gabbana, which I don't remember the original last name he told me. He just told me the name is Giovanni and that his family works in fashion and that's why they have all this money and all this stuff like that, right? I put this man's name into Google and the first thing that I see is an article on observer.com titled bungalow bungler behind bars. It was written September 16th, 2008. And I am now remembering the last name because this was the last name I saw Giovanni Luciano. This is the name that I saw in the info on there. This says, Giovanni Luciano got busted using his friend's credit card at the Manhattan nightclub Bungalow 8 in May 2007. He'd been passing himself off around town as heir to Dolce and Gabbana. The Post dubbed him Bungalow Thief. He got two to four years for grand larceny. The person who wrote this article says, I wrote him at the Green Correctional Facility in Coxsackie, New York, two hours north of Manhattan. He replied, handwritten in all caps, I've been waiting for this day for a long time to share my side of the story. You see, Spencer, there's more to my nightlife than you know. I always thought I needed to write a book on how I came and conquered New York, Miami, LA. I never spoke about this to anyone because it will exploit me and I could lose my socialite cred. Now, the person that I spoke to I saw, I was just like, that's not him. And then the photo post, like, it's him. Like, the photo is him. The photo of the person in this picture, it's it's him. He's significantly younger, but it's fucking him. And so, basically, what I found out after putting this man's information into Google is that not only is he a scammer, he went to prison because 
of like the scamming that led to like a grand larceny charge. And this isn't even the only write up of it. Basically what happened was, is that he was going to like, um, excuse me. He was going to like a lot of these clubs and try and just lying about knowing people there. And then like, being like, or he would get there early and be in the section. And when they got there and like, oh, there's like a big group here anyway. So no one's going to ask me to move. Or like he would lie about who he knew and like his family members. So they would just let him be around. And the reason why he got picked up is because like he was with a friend and they, I guess, put their like credit cards down at the bar or the club or whatever. And he decided to just keep it. Um, This says... When he was around 19, it seems the police were sniffing around some funny business Giovanni had gotten involved with. He says his arrest was imminent, and so his family arranged for a student visa. So he apparently is from where? He grew up in Milan. He said, oh, my God. And this is, like, when he was 27 in 2008 or 9. Like, girl... This nigga is not this age when he talks. This, I'm telling you. Though he has assumed many identities, he says his real last name is indeed Luciano. He's 27. Growing up in Milan, he belonged to a family with money, he said. And he was spoiled. His older brother became a banker. His sister, he said, is a well-known fashion model. His parents, (coughs) excuse me, strict Roman Catholics, didn't approve of Giovanni's driving ambition to live the rock and roll lifestyle. He goes, I never really wanted to do anything, he said. I just wanted to go to all the best parties with all the hottest chicks. And it's killing me because the way that he approached me in the East Village literally sounds like this. I go to all the hardest parties and clubs and events and shows and I can get you in because I know everybody. Um... He, his parents, he claims, own an apartment here on Central Park West, very prime real estate, and it was waiting for him when he arrived in spring of 2000. His parents hoped he enrolled in classes. They gave him an ample allowance and credit cards. Like, as soon as I got to Manhattan, I began asking people where the hottest nightclubs were. Pangea and Serafina were the hot spots. And later, it was butter. I would go every night and watch the same guys go in and come out with the most beautiful girls. They wouldn't let me come in. Sometimes I would wait till 3 o'clock in the morning, and they wouldn't let me come in because I was a nobody. And that's when he started um, lying to people. And so it says here, on one of those long nights, loitering outside the red ropes, he befriended two French brothers as they were leaving the club. They shared a cigarette. He made up a story that he was the nephew of designer Domenico Dolce and heir to the Dolce and Gabbana clothing empire. Keep in mind that this article was written in 2008. And as of 2022, this grown ass man who was 27 at the time of this whole entire shit happening and fully not 27 when he met me, is still keeping this up, has approached me and at first tried to be like, oh, my family, you know, has money, fashion, all this other shit. And then was just like, I work for PR at Dolce & Gabbana, and that's why I'm calling people to see what gifts they want, right, randomly in my phone. And then, like, 
telling me, oh, you're so lucky that you didn't grow up with money because if you did, like, you would be as unhappy as me and all this other shit, right? And then the, the, the fucking slice, like, was that he literally sent me a message from this, like, boot, like, this bootlegged ass, like, work contact for Dolce and Gabbana. Like, this is, this is still going. This is still happening. And so, he goes, something you have to understand. In order to be accepted by these kinds of people, you have to, he made a quotation marks with his fingers, produce. He persuaded the brothers to let him join their entourage to the next club. There, Giovanni began producing, buying bottles for the table. The Frenchmen introduced him to their friends, all of whom could get into the top clubs and who Giovanni claims could be charmed by cocaine. They're all white people. That's all they want is cocaine. If you have a lot of it, he said, people would believe anything you say. No one questioned who I was. He continued, you know, temptation, temptation, temptation. Before long, Giovanni says he was hovering, hoovering spoonfuls of the mighty white samba at late night parties in Soho lofts. <sighs> Sitting up in green, the fucking prison he was in. It makes him sad that few people remember from his nightlife days. Remember him now. He may have done some scams, sure, but he also took care of a lot of bar tabs, paid for a lot of dinners at Cipriani. He loves Cipriani. He goes, nobody has come to visit me, he said. I have nobody. <sighs> he tugged at the collar of his green prison issue jumpsuit. This is not who I am, he said. I am here with a bunch of, I'm in here with a bunch of animals. I used to do nice dinners at Ch uh, Cipriani. Now I sit on my bed and I cry because I miss that, that I can't go to a nice restaurant and talk to nice people like you. And then the, the fucking author goes, but he wasn't he stealing from nice people like me? And then he goes, I um, wanted to be accepted. I wasn't, it wasn't to intentionally manipulate. He said, the only reason I did some scams is because my parents cut off my credit cards and I didn't want to live beneath them. He didn't have a job and would spend his afternoons at places like the Waldorf Astoria in the Four Seasons, any nice place where the bars would open at noon. He goes, so I'm doing bumps in the bathroom he said a bit gleefully, meeting so many CEOs and buying people drinks or I would be out all night and then at noon go to Nello all coked out and get a bottle of champagne while all of these quote unquote power lunches are going on. In February 2001, he says his parents cut off his credit cards. The doorman at the Central Park West had told him about his week long benders, but then he didn't need the credit cards so much. He used other people's and that's when it started happening. He claimed the scam goes like this. You troll the obits and find a guy your age. You have a friend who works at the Department of Social Security. You give him the guy's name and date of birth. Once you've checked the dead guy's credit rating and made sure it's solid, your friend reactivates the Social Security number. Then you apply for credit cards. The American Express Platinum is the best. If you can get your hands on one of these, you're looking at $50,000 to $70,000 before the cogs start to turn. Let me tell you, Spencer, how to become a millionaire without having a dollar, he continued, drawing his face into another toothy smile. He paused. I wish we were at Cipriani's, he said again, thrusting his arms out and pointing back at himself. Then he went on. Say I swiped an ATM card. How do I get his money out? He's an asshole, he said. There's a toy. You can buy it at the toy store in Times Square. It's called an Etch-A-Sketch. Break open an Etch-A-Sketch, he said, and pour the black powder into a bowl. You have a credit card swipe machine, which is connected to a phone line, which connects to the bank. 
Take your finger and dip it into the black powder and then run that finger across the magnetic strip on the back of the card. Now you swipe the card. The machine spits back 10 digits. The four digits in the middle sandwiched in between three on each side will be the pin number. Ideally, it will be around 11.50 p.m. Take the card to the ATM at a bodega, not a bank, no cameras. Withdraw as much as you can. Use the $800, smoke a cigarette. Wait till the clock strikes midnight. Strike makes night. I'm sorry. Yeah, strikes midnight. It's a new day. Withdraw another $800. He said he would simply also occasionally steal someone's credit card and go on a spending spree or use the card number to book a treatment at a spa. They don't swipe the card until your full body treatment is through, at which point Giovanni is already out the door. Or quickly get a photo ID made with the cardholder's name on it. Then you can register at a hotel where they don't bill the card until the end of your stay. In March 2011, Giovanni claims he spent a week at the Chateau Marmont in L.A. that way. He went. He hit L.A. clubs. He claims he spent a night on the couch at Paris Hilton's house in the Hollywood Hills. It actually stunk, he said. She has like an animal kingdom in her house. I woke up with, and some kind of animal was taking a shit on the carpet. He thinks it was a lizard. <sighs> The next year, he was sitting in a suite at the Waldorf. A knock at the door. Room service. Surprise. It's the police. They had me barehanded, he said. The feds moved all over him. MCC, Oklahoma, Utah, then Nevada. In 2005, he was deported to Italy. He was back at his parents' house, sulking, pleading for forgiveness. It worked. In 2006, he dropped his bags at the Central West Apartment, Central Park West Apartment. This time, from February 06 to May 07, he said, smiling broadly, I was in it hardcore. He ran up bar bills. He played the role of the arrogant heir. At a party for Kate Moss on the roof of the Grand Mercy Hotel, he crossed paths with the actress Cameron Diaz, which my mom told me she did too when she was in a spa in LA. And I thought that was hilarious. He told her that it was unfortunate that Justin Timberlake dumped her. She cursed him. He responded, you are nothing. He said, you are nothing but a peasant to me. This time, the fun ended when he tried to use someone else's credit card at Bungalow 8 in the spring of 2007. As visiting hours, like, wait. As visiting hours drew to a close at Green, he shook his head in disbelief. If I was out now, I could get the same access. They all know me. And then I was dead because there was also another article by the Gawker and literally, the fucking title is Bungalow 8 Scam, Artist Out of Jail. I'm sorry. Bungalow 8 Scam, Artist Out of Jail Being Weird. And it basically was just talking about how after he spent time in jail, he was being weird in Washington Square Park. And, like, I'm not going to read that because that's a lot more shit going on. They were just like, oh, yeah, y'all remember this guy. Apparently, he made a phone call to the New York Observer. And that's why he had the the that article written by him and then <sighs> yeah this is just like him talking being weird and like the way that he was weird like to me and the way that he was weird on the phone it explains how he's like weird like in this like article where they're talking about how he's like trying to talk to this woman that doesn't want to talk to him and because she doesn't want to talk to him he's like oh is it because you're a lesbian i'm not i'm not homophobic like i don't care that you're a lesbian like it was like he was just being weird because He's like, oh, I know a lot of gay people. My uncle is gay. And like, of course, she's a lesbian. She looks masculine. Like the way that he speaks 
is like very much so like not linear and it's very repetitive, but also it's not respectful. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, I would not be surprised if he was neurodivergent. So the way that they explain him in this article about how he was talking to this woman in the park and how he like was writing, like he gets giving the same fucking story, you know, they're like, his brother's a banker, his sister's a model. Like that's what they said in the other one. And it's just, he's very, he's a very off-putting person. Um, this was even in the New York Post. The decline and fall of Bungalow 8. Guys named Giovanni clad and Dolce now getting in. <laughs> like, he apparently was the reason why this fucking iconic-ass, like, lounge that I literally, since I ever even heard of his existence on Sex in the City, have been like, if this shit is still actually open, I would like to go. Like, this is so wild to me that this is the outcome of this entire thing. Because of the fact that I knew something was up, but it just felt like because he just kept throwing all of these keywords around, I was like, oh, well, that's maybe like what's happening here. Maybe he's used to doing that. Because like I said, a lot of men that don't really have much going for them, that's how they speak to people. That's how they speak to sex workers. That's how they speak to women in general. That's how they usually approach the situations because they don't, they know they really don't have a lot to offer. So they're like, oh, yeah, I have money. Yeah, I have I have a place over in uh in Soho. I I do this, I do that. I have a car. Like shit like that. Like I went on a date with this guy that um that first of all, I'll get into the nitty-gritty on that later, but basically he thought he was impressing me because he went and bought coke. And every time that we hung out, which was only twice, he always went out of his way to make sure that I knew that he went to go buy Coke for us. And the thing is, is that I don't be doing Coke like that. I'm like somebody that's like, do you have weed? Like, whatever the fuck, right? I'll bring my own weed. We'll have a great time. This nigga was fully a cokehead, And I found that out the second time I hung out with him. I was like, oh, he, he's, he's, he, like, this is like, actually like, okay. Um, but I think it's hilarious how they were just like, <laughs> credit con, busted, so, like, he used this person's card for, like, $8,000. He went to Smith & Walensky. He went to Bloomingdale's. He was buying bottles. And he was stealing people's money. And, like, this was, like, I guess, like, a really big story around this time. Even, like, the picture of him in this photo is, I don't want to say iconic, but it is familiar because I literally remember seeing this photo of a person that looked like him because he looks like a scene person. Like, he looks like a scene guy. So that's why I'm saying, like, all of this is just really fucking weird because it just feels like it's all, like, it's, like, deep Ashley lore. Like, elements of, like, my life are intertwined into this and this stranger has no idea who I fucking even am. And so, um, after, you know, I had perused the internet for a little bit more to see, okay, what the fuck is going on, right? There were, like, probably three or four articles talking about the fact that this man was a scammer, and they literally called him the bungalow burg, like, the bungalow bungler, or some shit like that. Like, you could tell they was having fun with, like, the fucking nicknames and shit. Um, I saw something a little bit more recent, when I was going through the search. So I don't know if y'all remember, but I think it was like last summer when these two white women in New York were like, um, it went viral that they had 
been dealing with some man uh like shouting transphobic things at them it was on a tiktok um you know it got some traction for a little bit they talked about it you know woo 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 right basically i remember seeing this story like in passing and i was like oh that sucks right and then like i saw the fact that they said that like i think it was either the headline or like a a quote from it was like <laughs> dolce and gabbana grandson and i was like no and i let i went and watched it right and of course, it's like these two tall white women. They're walking down um, by some place in Manhattan, like where the parks are and shit. And they're like walking down the street. The main girl has her phone out and she's like talking to the camera and yelling at the person that's like following them because he's calling them like men, saying that they're tall enough to be men and, you know, all of this other shit and like screaming at them. And it turns out, right, she's like, oh, he's calling us men because we're not, you know, because he's short and all this other stuff and da 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 da. And like while... I saw that one. I didn't see the updated one. So apparently there was an updated one where her friends were in the background chastising this very unfortunate looking man. And she's like, and he's over here telling us that he's the grandson of Dolce and Gabbana. And I was like, what? And then she puts the camera on his face. And I swear to God, it's this nigga. Like, it's literally him. And he has on, like, this knockoff, like, Versace tracksuit, it looks like. And he's telling them, he's like, y'all are being so mean to me. I just wanted to be friends. I just wanted to make friends with you. And you're being so mean to me. Like, how dare you speak to me this way? And all this other shit. And they're telling him to go away and that they're not interested or whatever the fuck, right? I almost... Like, I was just like, of course, of course, because I'm not saying that like, oh, I'm special enough for this shit to happen to me. I'm really confused as to how it's finding itself in my lexicon in the first fucking place. I just thought it was interesting that with all of this search and all of this stuff, like all of this, like all of this presented itself. And so like, not only was that happening, this nigga have like an updated social media page. He's running an Instagram, a Twitter, and he's like really riding off of the fact that either not enough people know about this or I guess care to do anything about it. So essentially, he is still roaming the streets of New York City and trying to hit on unassuming, attractive young women and still peddling the story of, quote unquote, like the girl said, being the grandson of Dolce and Gabbana. And with me, it started out as, oh, my family is like, you know, they work in the fashion industry and that's where they get their money from. And then it went to, oh, I work for PR for Dolce and Gabbana. And then it went to, um, you know, him telling me that, not telling me, but then reaching out to me from a basically fake WhatsApp account, if you really want to be honest, a fake like WhatsApp business account that was supposed to be a business account for fucking Dolce Gabbana. And so I was just like, I didn't put two and two together until like I literally Googled his name. And that's why I was just like, oh my God, I'm glad nothing happened. I'm glad that the only time I've ever met this man was in person that one time. Um, You know, in March 2018, I'm glad that 
I once again told him to leave me alone and I blocked that number. I am also glad that, you know, I did get some practice there, but also my intuition was kind of correct. Like this person obviously wasn't trying to really do anything along the lines of like, you know, adhering to a dynamic or trying to like see where I was coming from because I was very clear. First, I tried to be like coy about it and whatever. Ooh, demure, some mystery. And then like, I was like, okay, with the other girls, I'll talk about be more assertive. So like, I was a good learning opportunity because of the fact that I got to practice on someone. But like, none of it worked, obviously, because this nigga's like, obviously, like not a scammer. I don't know if he's still scamming now. I don't know if the story about him being from Milan is true because like when you speak to him, like, yes, he might have a little bit of an accent, but there's something going on. I don't know if that loft in Soho, London is, you know, is really his. I know that he tried to do this thing when he was like, oh, so what are you talking about? Like, you a sex worker or something? And I was like, or something. And then he was like, well, I live down the street from the red light district, so I wouldn't need to pay for like the same shit that they all say, right? But it's just like, you're paying for something. You're doing something. Somebody got you a ticket to London. Somebody got you a ticket back. Whoever's fucking like penthouse or loft or whatever the fuck you was staying in, that obviously belongs to someone else. And this whole sad story about being so rich and so lonely and so sad because nobody wants to be your friend. Like, it's just like, it was just wild to me that it's like going on like probably uh, like almost two decades strong of this nigga like pulling this con. Like, and the thing is, right, is because if you hear something like that in passing, the grandson of Dolce Gabbana, I didn't really fucking pay attention to it when he tried to do all that shit because he didn't tell me he was the grandson. He tried the other shit, right? So like, a normal person would be like grandson because Dolce and Gabbana not only do not have children, they're extremely homophobic and they think that gay men having children is unnatural and they call them chemical babies. So like me putting two and two together after the fact is like, not only is that like a terrible like lie, but this nigga fully doesn't understand the lie that he's trying to implement because he's also damn near the same age as the designers. Dolce and Gabbana. So that's also something that I found interesting. Like maybe when he was 27 or whatever and he was still able to lie about some shit, he could because that's what he did. But this man was like a full grown man. Like when he told these girls on the street that he was the grandson of Dolce and Gabbana, even the way he talked about it is ridiculous. So yes, I just wanted to share that because I truly feel like sometimes the universe likes to play games, likes to play in my face, likes to look, make me look like a fool, but also has a fucking sense of humor. And sometimes as much as I'm just like, oh my God, of course this is my life. Like, I just think it's interesting that shit like this happens to me and I like will be in it. And I'm like, oh, this is actually ridiculous. This is actually ridiculous. But I won't see how ridiculous it is until I get outside of it. And this is exactly what happened. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the f- previous episodes, leaving your feedback, giving your ratings, sharing them. I'm seeing a whole bunch of like activity and engagement. It makes me happy. And thank you so much for, you know, coming back, you know, for every episode. I really appreciate the support and I am so excited about um being able to share these things with you guys so thank you so much and enjoy the rest of yours bye